Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Travels hostess. Tonight we crack open our paranormal passport and head to the Sunshine State of Florida. But first, a brief history. It is believed that the first people to reach Florida was about 10,000 BC. They were hunters and gatherers. Then the Spanish rolled up in 1513 as Juan Ponce de Leon was poking around probably looking for his fountain of youth. It was he who named the peninsula-shaped land Florida after the Spanish Feast of Flowers. Then the French flew their fleur-de-lis in 1562, having landed there themselves. Then the French and the Spanish duked it out over the land, killing each other, while bringing both horrendous death and deadly diseases to the Native Americans and basically devastating their population. All the while, in 1516, a Spaniard by the name of Pedro Mendez de la Aviles landed and found a lovely little space later dubbed St. Augustine. It was this first permanent European settlement in Florida. 21 years later, in 1586, the English decided to dip their toe on Florida's land with the Englishman Sir Francis Drake. But for the most part, the Spanish held the land as it was a vital asset to their colonies, not only in America, but to their colonies in Central America. However, all of this changes in 1763, so if you know American history, we haven't even had our American Revolutionary War. That comes next decade. Again, all of this changes in 1763 with the end of the Seven Years' War. As part of the peace treaty between Spain and Britain, Florida goes to Britain. However, at the end of the American War of Independence, which ends in 1783, Britain agrees to hand over Florida back to Spain. Now, in 1817 through 1818, the U.S. decided to launch the first Seminole War against the Seminole Indians. Again, the Native Americans who had been cohabitating this land for hundreds of years. Now with the U.S. troops present in Florida, Spain decides to concede Florida to the United States in return for some cancellation of some debts. I don't know anything about these debts, but this is what happens. So this actually opens Florida up to more American Caucasian settlers. And with this influx of settlers, they, of course, wanted the Seminole Indians out for more land. So the United States launched a second Seminole War in 1835. 
Now, this second war lasts seven years to 1842, and almost all of the Seminoles are forced to leave Florida. And on March 3rd, 1845, Florida becomes the 27th state of the Union. So basically a shitty deal for the Native Americans again. Either way, tonight's episode, we're going to focus on the ghostly haunts of that lovely little patch of grass Pedro Mendez de Avils established way back when. That little patch of grass now known as St. Augustine. So let's talk about some of the haunted places of St. Augustine. We're going to start with the old jail. St. Augustine's Jail is one of the most haunted locations in the city. It is so haunted that it is listed on Florida and the National Register of Haunted Places. Built in 1891 by Henry Flagger, a man who was very much interested in St. Augustine's development, built the prison. And this place was no club med, no, you know, high flutin prison. This prison actually would become known for its harsh conditions and inhumane treatment of the prisoners. And while it housed both men and women, it only saw men hanged here. In fact, they eventually will hang eight men in their gallows during the course of its operation. Now, because of its horrendous living conditions and treatment, or lack thereof, other prisoners will die here as well. And as such, this prison will continue to operate until 1953. So as a result, between the suffering and the dying that happened here, of course, it is haunted. And has been a key place for many investigators. In fact, I want to say I've seen at least one or two episodes from various paranormal investigating shows. So what's happening here? What are the uh, paranormal investigators experiencing they are hearing the sounds of disembodied voices they're hearing moaning shouting footsteps and with these footsteps people even claim to hear the sounds of chains as if the footsteps are taking steps chained and they can hear you know that kind of footstep aside from these experiences the ghosts are also a bit aggressive many people have claimed that they have been pushed or tripped by a ghost whilst investigating a particular cell in the women's section. Now, there's also, of course, cold spots, light orbs, but more importantly, they have some serious apparitions happening. In fact, I want to say at least one of the shows that I had seen in the past, they definitely caught some serious apparition activity. So we're talking, there's been evidence of one spotted in the kitchen, one spotted in a chair, and one absolutely just disappearing in a wall. Now, if this is your jam and you're near the the St. Augustine area, if you haven't heard about these guys yet, they do actually offer paranormal investigations here. So you can definitely, definitely take the opportunity to check them out. And on top of all these wonderful paranormal opportunities to have this experience they even have a rather impressive collection of weapons like a little museum that they have found over the course of the operation that were used in actual crimes committed 
by the inmates. So it's kind of like this is how they were making shifts to shank people or making shanks to shank people. I don't, I don't really know prison terms, clearly. So it's so on top of this is how you know you can see ghosts. This is also how the the inmates made ghosts is happening at the same time. So anywho, speaking of death, let's move over to the Talamato Cemetery. This cemetery is one of America's oldest cemetery. Remember, the Spanish settled here-ish in the 1500s, and pretty much everyone is buried there across the board. Rich people, poor people, criminals, everyone is buried here. And again, it's got a lengthy, but a lot of weird and sad happenings here too. So let's begin with a near tragedy, but ghost story. So the story goes that a young woman had died and her her body was actually being prepared for burial. However, as the funeral process walked under a a Papanix tree, her forehead got badly scratched by a low-hanging branch. And the scratch really began to bleed, like a lot, a lot, like too much for a cadaver to be bleeding. So as it turns out, she actually hadn't died. And because of this cut on her forehead, she gets spared the horrific scenario of being buried alive. Now, as I mentioned before, she actually will die six years later. And it is said, and she gets buried here, and it is said that her ghost does actually haunt the place along with children. A lot of people have seen the ghost of children at the cemetery. Now, as I mentioned before, this place was once a place of seedy happenings, bad things, bad things happening. And such is the story of a 15-year-old girl named Elizabeth Foster. She was born in 1783, but died in 1798. Well, once she was buried, grave robbers broke into the vault that she was placed in. They strip her body, and then they take her clothes for resale. So basically, they strip her. I don't know if she was rich. I don't know if that was just a thing, or this is like one of the things that got recorded. And then her clothes were treated to were treated as resale items. So basically, they sold the clothes of a dead person. Now, that's just one, you know, seedy happening story. But this one, the next, I mean, like, this cemetery has a lot of shit going on. So, but this story, this next story is absolutely horrible. Back in the 1800s, there was a bishop, Bishop Ferrat. He died. Now, he dies in mid-June, and if, any, if anything you should know about Florida, Florida, like, especially the summers, are like Satan's motherfucking kitchen. It is so hot, it's like hell hot, okay? So, yeah, I just made that up, but it's like hell hot, and I cannot stress that enough. Either way, in an effort to allow mourners to visit his body and pay their last respects, all the while keeping his body cool, a pit was made. Now, this pit was lined with sawdust and ice before the body was inserted, you know, into the ground. Now, for his coffin, he gets a custom-made iron, I said that again, iron-built casket with glass on top. So, it had, like, this glass window 
on the top to allow for people to view his body as he's been put in this this grave. But again, and and the reason why they do this is because this, at this point, Florida is very very Catholic. This is their first bishop. They want to you know you know go with God. Yep yep yep. This is the best finest Florida bishop kind of scenario. Now before they lay him in the pit, they clearly seal his coffin, which I think they do for all coffins, but his gets like super sealed. Okay. Well, between Florida's hell hot heat and the gases expelling from his body, there's no ventilation. So the casket begins to shake. And I mean violently begins to shake. And then, I mean, the patrons or the the people attending the funeral are just absolutely horrified by what's happening. Before anyone can do anything about it, the bishop's body ends up exploding inside the casket. And it exploded so fast and so furious that even the glass top, basically there's just an eruption that shatters the top. And as such, everyone in the local vicinity gets hit by a shitstorm of dead body parts. When I read this, if ever you've ever seen the movie Tremors and they blow up a gravoid and there's a part where the gravoid's dead body pieces hit them all, this is exactly what I imagine except in a cemetery. Anywho, whatever little remains inside the casket, the attendees kind of collect and then they take the remains of the body to the small chapel located opposite the cemetery and he gets buried with Father Varla. Father Varla, who apparently was a prospective saint from Cuba. Either way, maybe because of what happened, it is believed that both the bishop and the father are haunting the cemetery. They're actually seen almost together. Okay, so our next story in this particular cemetery is actually a little sad. So apparently just inside the cemetery is a lovely live oak, and this lovely live oak was a was absolutely perfect for climbing. Well, as it was, a little boy, age five, it was his favorite climbing tree. His name was James P. Morgan. Sadly, one day in November of 1877, whilst climbing his favorite tree, James lost his grip and fell. When he landed, he landed in such a way that caused his neck to snap. And as such, he died. He had died actually 10 days after his fifth birthday. Now, because this was his favorite place and now his place of death, his mother asked that James be allowed to bury her son in exact spot where he had died. Her wish was granted. Now, as it was, James actually lived directly across from the cemetery, and that's kind of how the mother would keep an eye on him, just by looking out the window, and there would be James playing on his tree. However, shortly after his funeral, his mother would tell others that she actually would see her son still playing on that tree in the afterlife, dressed in the white shirt and linen overalls he was wearing when he died. Now, naturally, people didn't believe her. They thought she was just in the grieving process. But then others began reporting seeing him as well. And then, supposedly, someone managed to snap a photo of this paranormal situation. And, of course, people debate its authenticity, but many have come to believe that it is, in fact, James still hanging around his favorite tree. Okay, 
Let's talk old forts. Now remember, as the Spanish territory, Spain built forts to protect their property. And such was the case for Castile de San Marcos. Built in the 1600s, the Spanish weren't fucking around to find out about the structure of this building. It has weathered over 300 years of not only battles, but storms. I mean, right now it's hurricane season down there, and I think we're already on our second hurricane of this year. But either way, let's talk about the paranormal activity that's happening here. Well, for instance, on stormy nights, there is a particular watchtower that has the report of, so I guess there's this shining fixture that will shine during the storms. The problem is, is that this particular watchtower doesn't have any electricity to it. People have also reported seeing a Spanish soldier standing at the edge of the fort, looking out into the sea, either when the sun is about to set or when the sun is about to rise. In the dungeon, people have reported the feeling of someone with cold hands touching them. Others have felt rather uneasy, rather queasy, basically sick, and some have reported an unnatural cold while walking through. Like, this is like, this is not a normal cold here, y'all. This is like paranormal cold. And with some of their cameras, people have caught misty shapes, glowing orbs, and even see-through shapes of people, so like almost apparitions. And as you guys remember, I've been to Puerto Rico, and this sounds actually a lot like similar to the hauntings that the two forts in Puerto Rico once owned and built by the Spaniards also tend to be happening there as well. All right, so speaking of super old places let's talk about the old city gates located near the fort is well you guessed it the old city gates legend surrounding these gates is that a nine-year-old girl named elizabeth who was suffering from yellow fever had actually died near the gates i'm not sure why but she does today people report seeing her spirit sail hanging out near the gates dancing and playing in the afterlife So moving from the gates, let's talk about St. Augustine's well-known spot, well-known haunted spot, the St. Augustine Lighthouse. This place was launched into popularity thanks to Ghost Hunters, a paranormal show here in America. And I actually remember watching this episode when it came out, and the investigators caught on camera an entity looking over the stair railing of the lighthouse, and the team just went ballistic and went chasing after it all the way up the spiral staircase. It was literally like this huge moment, not only for the show, but for the paranormal world and the lighthouse as well. So backing up a little bit, this lighthouse, the original lighthouse was built in the 1600s by the Spanish settlers. Over time, it became necessary to replace it. And the replacement happened and was built in 1874. Now, I don't know if and when the tragedies began or when it started to be documented. Either way, one of the first lighthouse keepers, a man named Joseph Adru, fell to his death while painting the tower. In life, Joseph really loved this place. He loved caring for it. Today, it is believed that he is still lingering around. For instance, a lot of people have reported the smell of his cigar. 
people have heard his are believed to be his footsteps and it is believed that his figure has been seen standing at the top of the tower looking out into the sea in fact because he's been so prevalent many even speculate that he's the ghost ghost hunters actually captured on film when they were there now another tragedy involving this particular lighthouse also involves two young sisters the pity sisters they they were there with their father hezekiah hezekiah pity was working at the lighthouse when they decided to play in a handcart the rope tithering the handcart snapped causing the girls to fall into the ocean and sadly they both ended up drowning today many report seeing the girls hearing the girls laughing playing both inside and outside because like there's even like a set of swings near the lighthouse that they swear you see the girls playing on. And part of the reason they're certain that it's the girls is because the eldest was wearing a blue dress when she died. And people have reported seeing the bigger girl, the bigger ghost girl of the two wearing a blue dress. And in addition to these two girls, there was a 12-year-old daughter of a lighthouse builder who also drowned near the building. It is said that she actually likes to hang around the second floor at the museum, but many people actually believe that all three girls are creating ghostly mischief around the lighthouse together. Now, one more cemetery, the St. Augustine National Cemetery. Open for business in 1763. Again, we're not even a nation. This cemetery is Florida's oldest military cemetery. It houses soldiers from the Second Seminole War and the Civil War, which happens later in 1861 to 1865. But because of such, it is believed to be very, very haunted. Now, one of the groups of soldiers buried here were actually killed during a large massacre, killing about 14,000 soldiers and are buried because of this massacre. And so what they're seeing here in terms of paranormal incidences paranormal incidences is people are actually seeing apparitions people are seeing orbs and people are actually catching evps electronic voice phenomenon experiences more specifically though there's even a report of a ghost from the civil war who likes to walk around in the yard of the old union military hospital across the street and you, they know it's him because he was famous for smoking his pipe. Well, now he's famous for smoking his pipe in the afterlife as well. However, he will disappear if you try and approach him. Now, in addition to him, many have reported the shadow of a headless woman. Apparently, in 1974, she was decapitated by a machete three houses down from the cemetery. And it seems that the cemetery was a bit of a draw for her in the afterlife. But getting back to the military aspect of this cemetery, if you're interested and would like to pay your respects to those killed in the massacre, you have to look for the three mass graves marked by stone periods, and that's where you can pay your respects. Okay, now hanging out here and visiting these places, you're bound to get hungry. So let's talk food. Let's talk Faye's house, or rather the Prince of Wales restaurant and bar. But the real draw is Faye herself. When she was alive and breathing in the 1970s, she worked at the St. George Street Pharmacy as a short order cook. 
Now, for those of you who don't know, there was a time in America when pharmacies had restaurants inside of them, like a little hamburger joint-ish, hamburger fries, ice cream shakes, kind of a scenario. Some places still do. Anywho, apparently she was uh, not a nice lady when she was alive. She sounded like she was kind of malicious. And she lived in this rundown house or apartment building. And it kind of sounded like she was the original Karen here, folks. Either way, she needed some things fixed up around her place, so she called a handyman. While the handyman was there, she got into an argument with him. As such, she kicked him out. But like I said, she's really like the original Karen, so she wasn't done yelling at him. So he's pretty much gone. He's out of the building. But So she decides to run after him, run down the stairs to yell at him some more. And she ends up tripping, breaking her neck, and dying right then and there. Well, remember, like I said, he's gone. Her body gets found by the mailman four days later after smelling something awful from inside the building. Today, she is still huffing and puffing, as it is believed she has remained there in the afterlife. People believe that the apparition of, a, of the middle-aged angry woman with must-up hair is her. And apparently she's got like a paranormal power. She has in the past used the stench of decaying flesh, her power of stench of decaying flesh, to get rid of other tenants who had tried to live there post her death. I guess heaven just didn't really want her. Because that's the kind of person she sounds like. However, today, this building is actually a restaurant, and the current owners of the restaurant now say that Faye sometimes comes by and makes an appearance. All right, rounding out our paranormal trip, let's talk hotels. Our first hotel is the Casa de Salona. What's happening here? Staff claims that items in the dining room tend to move on their own accord. Guests staying in a particular room get woken up at 4.15 a.m. by somebody, and I'm using air quotes, I know you can't see it, but I'm using them, shaking them, waking them, quaking them. Other guests have claimed the sensation of being watched or, you know, like, I, I don't feel like I'm alone in my own room when I am alone. Others have reported the sensation of being touched in the middle of the night, while some have had the experience of having their sheets pulled off of them. All right, our next hotel is the Casa Monica Hotel. Built in 1877, this place was originally called the Cordova. Over the decades of its operation, it has collected a paranormal assembly. Today, people have seen a fancy-dressed man from probably the 1920s Prohibition-type era rolling around the building as well as a woman in a white dress similar to the 1920s Prohibition era time. However, if you were looking for specific rooms to hopefully have some paranormal experiences, you're going to want to ask for room 411 or room 511. And they are actually both located right above each other. With regards to room 511, so things kind of started happening one day when a guest checked in, but he didn't officially check out. When he didn't come down, the staff went to go check him out, <laughs> check on him. And unfortunately, they found him hanging from the ceiling in the room 
because he had decided to make that final decision. And thanks to that final decision, guests today report the feeling of icy winds moving throughout the room when the windows are closed. People have found standard cold spots, so stationary. And people hear footsteps in the room with them when they're completely alone. With regards to room 411, people have reported seeing ghostly apparitions of old men, again, dressed in the 1920s time era clothing. And it's like they appear for one minute and then they're gone. But here's the, here's the clincher. And if you ask the owners or the managers, they're not going to say anything, but the maids, the housekeepers, just might. Because with regards to the fourth floor, they absolutely, the house cleaners and other workers absolutely hate the fourth floor. They've had so many paranormal activities. We're talking kids running down the halls when there, there are no kids. Radios and other things will turn themselves on when the room is completely empty. Water faucets will turn themselves on. Again, I don't know what it is about water faucets that fascinate ghosts. And there was even an instance where uh, a housemate knocked on the door to, to notify that they wanted to come in to clean. And they heard a voice beckoning them inside. So they come inside and the room is completely empty. So... Because the paranormal activity is so prevalent, houseworkers are actually allowed to work in teams because just so much activity is going on. All right, that is what I have for you tonight. And just so you know, I really did have my pick for St. Augustine, Florida, especially with the hotels. I mean, there's just story after story after story regarding you know this and then, but you have to remember i mean we're talking florida this area has been around for well over hundreds of years so but either way let's talk about facebook 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 i have a facebook page and if you are curious and or interested and would like to join send us a request but in the meantime if you have a topic a town a serial killer you'd like for us to cover send us a request at where the dark corners are at gmail.com but until next time please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness which is where we hope to meet you where the dark corners are